Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Tuesday to all of you. Steve Dace here. I am on location in uh, beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Had an opportunity to take a nice walk this morning, man. Saw the sun, kind of. Man, it's overcast, but it's nice out. Saw the mountains, saw green green grass, saw flowers. It's amazing what that does for the disposition, even though we are in spring back there in the Midwest. But it it's going to be a minute before we see all those uh, signs of life again. So uh, absolutely buoyed my spirits to get out this uh, morning and walk around and uh, see a bunch of that. And it always lifts my spirits as well to see Todd Erzin and Aaron McIntyre there back there in Des Moines at our posh studios. Gentlemen, how are you? The elements can't hold me down. No? Well, it's nice now back there, right? I mean, it was like 60 when I left oh, yesterday. Yeah. yeah. No, my son and I went to the park for a good 45 minutes yesterday afternoon, took a long walk, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of fun, uh, and we opened up the house, and now it smells it smells good again. Yes, you get some of that uh, stale winter air out of yep. there. So it was like 60 back there when we left yesterday. You know, my wife is like, so of course, we couldn't have gone to Arizona last week when it was still winter and felt like it, and we were getting six inches of snow. Now it's 60, and we're going to Arizona. But even though it's warmer back there, you don't get to see the sights uh, back there right now that I am uh, getting to see here. So uh, that is uh, very cool. Uh, for those of you wondering what I'm doing, I've got some stuff to handle later today on the nefarious front, and then uh, I will be back to what? No, Wednesday. Tomorrow we have an evergreen which when we plotted this out, we had no idea it was going to turn out to be as newsworthy as and, and timely as this evergreen is going to, to be. We're going to examine in depth. Uh, we had a series of questions from one of our listeners examining uh, the, the possibility of a Trump 2.0 presidential run. And of course, that's very timely given what's going on right now. Uh, and so that'll be tomorrow's evergreen. And yes, we're willing to do this with Ron DeSantis, Probably no other candidates, because I think no one wants to listen to us break down Nikki Haley or Mike Pence for a couple of hours. But uh, um, I, I think you'll find the fa- the conversation very fair, very fascinating. Uh, and that'll be tomorrow's evergreen. It'll be new content. It just won't be uh, or original content. It just won't be brand new, timely content. So you'll get that special episode tomorrow. And then I'm back there in uh, the studio uh, on Thursday. And then I don't have another trip planned, guys until the premiere, the red carpet premiere in Dallas on April the 4th of Nefarious. So that is just around the corner, which means also a great reminder, if you want to get your autographed copy of my 2016 book, A Nefarious Plot, which inspired the movie Nefarious, we have, uh, we're, we've published a limited amount of uh, movie tie-in covers. So the old cover replaced by the new movie poster, if you want that and autographed, We have a few hundred of those left right now at nefariousbook.com. Again, that is nefariousbook.com. Those those should ship here in about a month or so at nefariousbook.com. All right, coming up on today's show, next hour, my daughter Anastasia will join us. Uh, Fake news or not, I have put together a series of well- cited or often cited, I should say, at least by me that I've seen, um, uh, tropes coming off the events of the last, oh, say 72 hours 
And we're going to play fake news or not with those tropes coming up next hour of the show. Looking forward to that. Also, on the heels of the complete collapse, second week and beyond, of Ant-Man uh, and the Wasp, Quantumania, uh, and now the, the paltry debut of Shazam 2 over the weekend, I think it's time to officially start asking if we are hitting, um, we've, we've reached a point of limiting principle, diminishing returns, where superhero cinema is concerned. We'll get to that with Pop Culture Tuesday coming up in the next hour of the show. Dr. Scott Atlas, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk to him. He will make a triumphant return to the program here at the bottom of the hour. But before we get to all of that, let us begin, as we always do, with Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened while we were away brought to you by Indictment Day or not. Despite what Donald Trump stated on Truth Social over the weekend, News Nation and a few other outlets are reporting the grand jury in that case won't actually vote on whether or not to indict him until Wednesday. So there's that. Congressman Jim Jordan, James Comer, and Brian Stile of the House Judiciary Committee released a statement yesterday demanding communications, documentations, and testimony from Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg related to his alleged upcoming indictment of Trump. On the matter of Ron DeSantis's now infamous some comments regarding the matter yesterday. TPUSA's Charlie Kirk, a Trump ally, said on Twitter, quote, checked with sources close to Ron DeSantis regarding the not getting involved comments this morning. Sources confirmed Governor DeSantis will not aid Bragg if he indicts Trump and stressed the governor believes this is an unprecedented politically motivated prosecution of a former president. Moving on, the State Department announced Monday the U.S. will send Ukraine another $350 million in weapons and equipment. The latest package of aid includes a large amount of various types of ammunition, such as rockets for the high-mobility artillery rocket systems and an undisclosed number of fuel tanker trucks and riverine boats. Xi Jinping and Vladimir Putin held a summit in recent days during which she called Putin his quote-unquote dear friend. Joe Biden signed a bill yesterday that requires declassification of information related to the origins of COVID-19. In a statement, the White House said, quote, in implementing this legislation, my administration will declassify and share as much of that information as possible, consistent with the blah, 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 blah. Back to Florida, Ron DeSantis called for legislation to ban a central bank digital currency in his state. Given the risks associated with a federally sanctioned centralized bank of digital currency, uh, today, uh, I'm here to call on the legislature to pass legislation to expressly forbid the use of CBDC as money within Florida's uniform commercial code. Given the continued increase in Chinese influence in worldwide affairs and increase in plans to adopt CBDC worldwide, our legislation also prohibits any CBDC issued by a foreign reserve or government sanctioned central bank. Gretchen Whitmer joined in the course of derision for Ron DeSantis's stance on Ukraine. I am not an expert on geopolitics, but I will say this. I think it's really dangerous when politicians are using language that com is coming out of the Kremlin. There's no question that calling it a territorial dispute is to undermine and downplay the Russian invasion, the illegal Russian invasion of Ukraine. And a state that has such a robust Ukrainian population, it is offensive, maddening, and I think it's really dangerous. 
Meanwhile, at the southern border, multiple videos have surfaced in recent days showing Chinese nationals being detained by Border Patrol agents. Apparently, the cartels are engaging in some very lucrative human smuggling operations thanks to these Chinese. And now here's more from that PBS show that followed Anthony Fauci and Washington, D.C. Mayor Muriel Bowser around the hood trying to cajole black folks into getting the COVID jab. Oh, you should get it first. Uh, okay, that way you won't give it to them. Oh, I thought I thought I would give it to them if I get it. Get no, it. no, not at all. In oh. fact, we got to get you vaccinated so that if you were to get infected, you could pass it on to them. So you're actually protecting your family by getting vaccinated. What are we going to do about those other states? Oh, my God. They're going to keep the outbreak smoldering in the country. It's so crazy. I mean, they're not doing it because they say they don't want to do it. They're Republicans. They don't like to be told what to do. And we got to break that. So the name of the show this aired on last week on PBS is called, and I kid you not, American Masters. The footage is actually from June of 2021. Last week, while we were out and on the three-year anniversary of 15 days to flatten the country, Florida Surgeon General Joe Latipo spoke about the COVID jabs. These vaccines have a terrible safety profile. At this point in the pandemic, you know, I'm not sure anyone should be taking them. And we have, unfortunately, a CDC and FDA who just very, the most consistent thing they've done is deny the truth. There was a study published a few weeks ago in a journal called Lancet, a great, you know, a, a journal that's well known, I should say. <laughs> and and you know, what did these what did these authors show? They showed that after seven months, the protection from infection, right? It you know it started I don't know around seventy percent, down 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 down. At seven months, it it hops onto the other side of the axis. What does that mean, folks? It literally means that. The people who received that vaccine were more likely to contract COVID-19 after seven months than the people who did not. That is a fact. Has the CDC or FDA ever said a word about that? And finally, this from the Babylon Bee. Law enforcement desperately searching for handcuffs big enough to fit Trump's very massive large hands. And that's what happened while we were away. <laughs> oh, that's great. That would... Uh... That would normally be parody, but remember, he has bragged about those in the past because there's not much he hasn't bragged about in the past. Uh, Aaron's Montage brought to you by our friends over at Preborn. We are proud to partner with them. This is an outstanding ministry that understands the key uh, to ending the scourge of ritualistic child sacrifice in America once and for all comes down to truth and love. All right. And uh, they also understand that post row now, uh, this is primarily a street fight. We're fighting hand to hand combat here. One mom in crisis at a time, one baby at a time. They have saved over 200,000 babies over the years uh, with one simple method, confrontation. Now, it might not be as provocative as the kind of confrontation that maybe I do, but understand that showing a young mother, a young would be mother, the heartbeat, letting her listen to the heartbeat of her child is every bit as confrontational. It's just a different temperament, but it's confrontational and it pricks the conscience, which is why about 80% of the time when a mom hears or sees that heartbeat, she can't go through with it. But they also understand that the battle is won that day, but the war is not over. And so the, the postnatal care that they offer as well, and including counseling, all of it free, provided they get funding from people like us. You can donate now at preborn.com slash Steve. That's preborn.com slash Steve. Make a tax 
deductible donation there or dial pound 250 keyword baby on your mobile. Pound 250, keyword baby on your mobile. Coming up later today in the overtime, we're going to go more in-depth on that Anthony Fauci video from, as Aaron put it, unbelievably, American Masters. <laughs> we will get into that later today at blazetv.com slash dace. That's blazetv.com slash dace. That's where you can watch it later today. If you're a Blaze TV subscriber, that's where you can go to become a Blaze TV subscriber at just $10 a month today. blazetv.com slash dace. There's two major things I want to touch on in Aaron's montage today. One of them I want to tackle first because I think it's an issue given what's going on domestically, though, is not um, is not being discussed enough. The meeting between Xi and Putin, uh, the the new warmth, the uh, the the tighter bonds being built there. You know, there's been a lot of talk over the last few years, particularly in the Trump era, about norms. We have to sustain NATO at all costs, which means the U.S. essentially has to continue to defend a bunch of uh, Marxist, neo-Marxist, socialist democracies in Western Europe, who almost all of them were perfectly fine locking down their citizens and poisoning them. That, that you know, you have to be willing to die for Norway, basically, for some reason, in 2023, because it's you know, still 1956 or 1978 or 1984. Actually, it is kind of 1984, just not in the way they think. But um, for all the talk of norms and these traditions that we couldn't possibly evolve our foreign policy into the contemporary world, but we still need to have, that's why we're doing this thing in Ukraine. I would, uh, for some odd reason, um, uh, Russia uh, can't win the war, too weak to win the war, has gone on a full calendar year, and yet uh, if we if we uh, don't continue to bankrupt our Western economies for Ukraine, uh, he'll rebuild the Soviet Union. I, I don't know how it's possible both those things are simultaneously true. I, it doesn't make much sense to me, but you know what do I know? I I'm not insane or a liar. But for those of you that are in the uh, NATO now, NATO tomorrow, NATO forever, foreign policy because you just can't move beyond the, the salad days of your generation. And there are even some very prominent people within our industry here in conservative media that that would apply to. If you're in that group, I have a question for you. For decades now, going really back to Nixon reopening the door to China uh, in the early 70s. So essentially, Todd and I's entire lives, half a century now, the United States has profited geopolitically off of triangulating between China and Russia, keeping them apart, playing favorites, making China uh, the Chinese communist regime most favored natus, most favored nation status in the late late 80s, just as a, just as a, a finishing blow to the collapse of the Soviet Union. And now, with our actions in Ukraine. We have, again, we're, I thought you cherished norms. I thought you cherished traditions. Now with our actions in Ukraine, we've made them bosom buddies. Xi and Putin palling around like Lindsey Graham and John McCain back in the day. Ebony and Ivory living together in perfect harmony. 
So if you're keeping score in bed, because don't keep score on a patio or a roof or a deck, you'll jump. Here's what we've accomplished with our foreign policy in Ukraine, in case you were wondering. We either ourselves sabotaged a vital pipeline that our allies needed for energy consumption or created the environment that someone else would have been incentivized to do it. We have printed even more money to pass on even more inflation to our own citizens. And and now we have ended a successful 50-year strategy. We sabotaged. We didn't end it. We sabotaged it. A successful 50-year geopolitical strategy of triangulation between China and Russia. And you are now essentially watching much of the world be divided into three camps, each with dominionist notions. And, And those dominionist notions aren't manifest destiny of exceptionalism and individual liberty. The World Economic Forum, Islamic Jihad, and whatever we want to call the new axis of China and Russia. Essentially, these three entities now are vying for the opportunity to enslave you to some degree. Happy Tuesday, everyone. Gentlemen, your thoughts. What am I missing here? What... what, this has been a failure on every front, or or am I overestimating this? Um, you might be underestimating it. Uh, it it all depends really on what the hell is going on in Ukraine. That this is all worth it to me. What kind of like I said, bizarre world, uh, uh, Marvel universe, Wakanda. Is this? Are we laundering money? Do we? Have, we've heard about secret labs there. Uh, sooner, sooner or later, you know, I think we have to come to. We talk about a place nobody could even find on a map. Well, that's the way they wanted it for a very long time. Just the mere existence of Donald Trump just not willing to play the games other people play for better or for worse. It obviously caused total havoc in that plan. And now here, another reference, Steve lost, you know, it turns out you follow that show lost all the way to the end. It turns out the Island is like a cork that keeps, you know, allows reality to march on. Like again, something fundamental and fundamentally bad has been going on in Ukraine for a while now that absolutely makes this worth it to you know, the powers that be, the deep state, call it what you will. But that's why I think, I don't think you're overestimating. I think you might be underestimating it. Like this, this may be the, uh, uh, what are the benign and innocent reasons, Steve, for doing something like this? You saw long say, stop, t- stop laughing at people. Stop saying they're stupid. You're absolutely right about that. So in this case, why would they be doing this? There are no benign so, or innocent threats. And all, the, all those terms. threats that you mentioned, all those unbalances, all those shifting of the... It, they have reasons, Steve. They have reasons. And they have nothing to do with you and I. 
It has to do with them, their power, their prestige, their wealth, uh, their, 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 their designs on creating a world where Western civilization goes to die. Those are the roads you got to go down. So I, I kind of saw this story and I didn't know what to make of it other than, oh, uh, two people who are not exactly best friends to American interests, whatever the heck those are, whether or not those are good. Uh, they're becoming uh, bosom buddies, uh, apparently. You could also see this another way. The, I guess, um, the, the thought and kind of framework that I had back in February of last year, trying to figure out what exactly was so important here. What is it exactly is really going on? And it was basically the West, led by the coalition who loves them, some WEF, World Economic Forum, Klaus Schwab, transhumanism, basically a coalition of those people led by the United States saying and looking at Vladimir Putin, who believes that he is, he is still sovereign over his country, his, his country still has sovereign rights as a nation and some sort of manifest destiny as a country. A bunch of them saying, guys, we sold out to globalism a long time ago. What's this Putin guy doing? Why come you don't got a tattoo? Basically, Vladimir Putin is the only person, only leader of a major power on the world stage who does not, who has not given himself over. And he's now he's a bad guy. He's a thug, but he has not seemingly given himself over in terms of his country's destiny to some for, some form of nihilism unlike most of the Western world. You could say that about China, but most of the Western world is trying to be China. So why now? What, inter what interest of it, uh, of it is China? Is, is Ukraine of China? I don't know. I think the Chinese could be looking at this opportunistically. I agree. Listen, I, I think you could absolutely make a case you know, I, I maybe it's maybe I have a generational bias, and I, I, you know, I grew up in the Gene Kirkpatrick era that you just live in a fallen world. We don't live in a perfect world, and sometimes you do have to just play terrible people off of each other to maintain some equilibrium. You can't try to get utopian solutions to everything. So if you're telling me the choice was giving Vladimir Putin complete control of the Baltic region, or uniting China and Russia. Uh, as a as a centralized power base against whatever's left of the West. I'm sorry, guys. It was nice knowing the Baltic region. If that's my choice, if that's because that's, I, I mean, to me, I don't even think that's even a consideration. Like, I don't, I wouldn't even debate that. Like, I wouldn't hesitate. I'd be like, sucks to live in the Baltics. Learn Cyrillic. All right, because the idea of some form of Russo-China axis, to me, I, I just think that is a far more existential threat. To whatever is left of the West, than um, than than Putin exercising his manifest destiny over the Baltic region. That's my own opinion. I, I just, in fact, don't even think it's a debatable point. Yeah. So I, I I'm not really sure though what the uh, to just finish the thought that I just started. I'm not really sure though what the opportunity is that China sees here. I'm not really sure about that. These are two, much like the West, but these are two countries. We've talked about this a little bit that are facing demographic winters in somewhat the near term and are facing demographic collapses. I, I'm not really sure what the plan is here other than just, hey, we might be both going out 
we better hang together and hang separately, something like that. But I don't trust that this is some sort of, well, I don't think that's up for debate at all. This is not some sort of magnanimity that Xi Jinping is, has found all of a sudden and, and uh, looking at Russia and saying, hey, little brother, let's uh, take you under our wing. That's not what's going on here. All right. The time we have remaining, I want to discuss the, the Trump arrest and the DeSantis thing. So there will be no arrest today, according to reports. The grand jury is not actually meeting today. That does not mean there will not be one, however. I mean, there, there could be one as soon as tomorrow. The whole thing could be an absolute uh, uh, BS cry wolf. Absolutely. I mean, that's that's one of the things in the in the in the Trump versus the system era there's there's often not a lot of honesty going either way in most cases. Also could be true, Trump sounding the alarm about it uh, and seeing any form of organized political pushback, seeing even some prominent people on the left saying all you do is make it more popular, may cause them to back down. They they did hear from the, uh, the, the pro-Trump witness yesterday. That was the final day of testimony before the grand jury makes their decision. So we have to still wait and see. But I want to go back to um, because I, I've got several emails from people. It's kind of funny now. I went from the Ron DeSantis water carrier to you got played. Yeah, you know, it was it's hilarious just how quickly you're in this business, folks. You're always one opinion away from being a moron. And here's the thing. That's actually true. But um, all of those pieces of analysis are actually not considering my premise. Doesn't mean I'm right. I heard, I heard some people even that I like and respect say, he doesn't owe him anything. Screw that guy. Wouldn't do the same thing for him. Trump gets to play that game. No one else gets away with it. Our people have made their peace with Trump being a POS most of the time. In fact, there's a large group of our people that actually support him because he's won. You can't, you, no one else is permitted to try to out-douche or POS Donald Trump. Can't do it. And if you do, it kills you. We saw this in 2016. If you take the bait and you make it about you versus Trump, you lose every time. The way this is why I've used the Saul David analogy. What finally threw Saul into his final rage was to hear the people say, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has slayed his tens of thousands. David did not undermine Saul conspire against Saul, leave Saul hanging out to dry, kill Saul when he was taking a dump in a cave when he could have. He stayed on mission. David recognized his calling was higher than Saul's. He serves the people. This is about the enemies of Israel versus the people of Israel. Who is the better protector of the realm? You do not beat Trump by sinking to his level, making it personal. Either resetting embarrassing things about people's moral failures in their past or in Trump's case often just making them up you don't win you don't beat him that way you have to come off the top rope against Trump you have to show i am a better defender of the realm and Trump is a resident of the state of Florida and i don't want to hear the constitution doesn't let ron desantis do the constitution is not a we've how many more times i got to do this show it's not a suicide pact it doesn't it's broken it's a dead letter we have to accept it it's reality move on okay keep wearing your wedding winning ring she's uh, she's on her seventh boyfriend guys not coming back okay she's doing centerfold spreads and and amateur orgy scenes on OnlyFans. Move on. It's done. Okay. 
Stop. Get with the program here. What part of the Constitution says you can have a nakedly partisan prosecution of an ex-president because you don't like him and he might run for president again? Where's that in the Constitution? Thank you. I'll hang up and listen. I want Ron DeSantis to beat Trump because from what I've seen the last four years, I think he's a far better character for this era. That yesterday, I don't believe will do it because for DeSantis, he has he wins by taking the high road. I'm a better person. I'm a better leader. You don't win by taking the Trump road. Only Trump wins on that road. None of us figured that out in 2016. That's why he kicked all of our asses. You come off the top rope against Donald Trump. You don't sink to his level. You can't possibly go lower than him. You can't be more shameless than him. You can't gaslight more. You can't be more dishonest. You just can't. It's impossible. You have to come off the top rope. You have to be, you're David. You're a better warrior. You slay more of the true enemy than Saul does. That's the point of my analysis. And that's the opportunity that was missed yesterday. DeSantis took the bait. He should have said nothing if he was going to say that. He took the bait and, and, and played into it's about me and Trump. Frankly, he's lucky that Charlie Kirk, who's about as loyal of a Trump supporter as it gets, has integrity enough to call Ron up and get more clarification on his statement. Because the answer he gave to Charlie Kirk was better than what he said yesterday. That's my point. He has to be David here. You will not out Saul Saul. You won't do it. You've got to be the David. I'm the better warrior. I'm the better leader. I'm the more devastating general. I will I will have I will pile more body bags of the enemy than Saul will. That's who Ron DeSantis has been for the last four years, which is why I'm in on him being president. That's not what I saw yesterday. More in a moment. Continue to get a ton of positive notes about Eden Pure's thunderstorm air purifiers. They are filterless, so you'll not be required to pay out of pocket for filters. Uh, these are outstanding air purifiers, and they don't just purify. It's because they literally purify air. They don't just make things smell better. They kill the stuff that's causing the bad smells in your home. And it's called the thunderstorm because it's that fresh air that you smell right after a thunderstorm. And right now, you can get the three-pack for whole home protection right now. That's three units for under 200 bucks. That's a fraction of the cost of their competitors on the market who probably aren't as good anyway, if we're being honest. All right, so put one in every level of your home. Put one on a couple levels of your home, then maybe the garage, uh, maybe a couple levels of your home, then maybe your office. Uh, with this special offer, three units for under $200 when you go to EdenPureDeals.com. That's EdenPureDeals.com, and you must use the discount code STEVE to get the discount. See how that works. Discount code STEVE to get three units for under $200 at EdenPureDeals.com, and that includes free shipping as well. All right. Scott Atlas had something come up here at the last second. So gentlemen, if you don't mind, what I would actually like to do is share with our audience the column that he wrote for Newsweek that we were going to discuss with him. You guys okay with that? Yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can do that. Let's do that. Because I think the information here is very important. So if you guys don't recall, 
I don't know why you wouldn't. Scott Atlas is frankly someone that we kind of helped discover. I think we might have been the first national interview that he ever got. Uh, he is uh, a healthcare expert at the Hoover Institute at Institute at uh, Stanford University, uh, and had written uh, a phenomenal piece about the cost of lockdowns uh, in the spring of 2020. Uh, we started having him on. Daniel started having him on. He started getting much more exposure. Uh, we were finally able to get him enough exposure that uh, he caught the attention of the Trump White House. They brought him in in the uh, late summer of 2020 uh, to try to put some sanity on the ridiculous. Mike Pence, Debbie Burks, um, what was that? What was that committee called? Do you guys remember the name of it? I can't remember the name of it now. What was it called? The, the Coronavirus Task, task Force. Force. That's, yeah, yes, that's tasking with forcing poisons and lockdowns on you. That's what it was tasked to do. Uh, and so, uh, of course, they listened to none of his suggestions. He tried to save the Trump presidency. Trump refused to be saved, which is really another way of saying Jared Kushner, who was the true president that year when it wasn't Fauci, refused to be saved. And so here we are. Uh, he wrote a book, um, a, a pox uh, on our house. Um, and it is the it'll if. if I felt reading that book the way a lot of you have told me you have felt reading Rise of the Fourth Reich. The the bile, the anger. I tried. I had to. I, I had to stop reading it on a plane because my anxiety was kicking in reading this. It was so frustrating. So that's kind of the the mini bio background on Dr. Scott Atlas. He wrote this piece last week for Newsweek. Um, trust it, it, and it's titled "Who Do You Trust?" WHO for World Health Organization. Um. Trust in public health has been shattered. Actually, no, there's another one of his that I want to share instead. This one. This is the one that I want to share more. America's COVID response was based on lies because he wrote two of them. But this is the one I think we want to talk about today. Pardon me. Almost all of America's leaders have gradually pulled back their COVID mandates, requirements, and closures, even in states like California, which had imposed the most stringent and longest lasting restrictions on the public. At the same time, the media has been gradually acknowledging the ongoing release of studies that totally refute the purported reasons behind these restrictions. This overt reversal is falsely portrayed as learned or new evidence. Little acknowledgement of error is to be found. That's why we need tribunals. We have seen no public apology for promulgating false information or for the vilification and delegitimization of policy experts and medical scientists like myself who spoke out correctly about data, standard knowledge about viral infections and pandemics and fundamental biology. The historical record is critical. We have seen macabre Orwellian attempts to rewrite history and to blame the failure of widespread lockdowns on the lockdown's critics, alongside absurd denials of officials' own incessant demands for them. In the Trump administration, Dr. Debbie Burks was formally in charge of the medical side of the White House's coronavirus task force during the pandemic's first year. In that capacity, she authored all written federal policy recommendations to governors and states. Let me pause right there. Uh, how many of you voted for Dr. Debbie Burks? No, none of you did. It's funny. We lose our damn minds when Democrats do this. Non-elected officials, non-government agencies, non-government organizations making policies. Here was the Republican administration doing it. Nobody voted for her. Nobody. Nobody voted for her. And yet, 
She is the author of all written, according to Dr. Scott Atlas, all written federal policy recommendations to governors and states and personally advised each state's public health officials during official visits, often with Vice President Mike Pence, who oversaw the entire task force. So again, some of you are gaslighting yourselves. Trump didn't want to do these lockdowns, wasn't for them. This was his White House. He even tweeted out at the time, I'm the one telling people to lock down. Upon the inauguration of President Joe Biden, Dr. Anthony Fauci became chief medical advisor and ran the Biden pandemic response. We must acknowledge the abject failure of the Burks Fauci policies. They were enacted, but they failed to stop the dying, failed to stop the infection from spreading, and inflicted massive damage and destruction, particularly on lower income families and on America's children. On the other hand, they had a wonderful singing voice. More than one million American deaths have been attributed to this virus. Even after draconian measures, including school closures, stoppage of non-COVID medical care, business shutdowns, personal restrictions, and then the continuation of many restrictions and mandates in the presence of a vaccine, there was an undeniable failure over two presidential administrations to stop cases from rapidly escalating. Numerous experts, including John Ioannidis, David, oh, that's of Stanford, David Katz of Yale, you know, Podunk Jukos that we could all get into, and myself, Atlas speaking of himself, called for targeted protection, a safer alternative to widespread lockdowns in national media beginning in March of 2020. That proposal was rejected. History's biggest public health policy failure came at the hands of those who recommended the lockdowns and those who implemented them, not those who advised otherwise. The tragic failure of reckless, unprecedented lockdowns that were contrary to established pandemic science and the added massive harms of those policies on children, the elderly, and lower-income families are indisputable and well-documented in numerous studies. This was the biggest and most tragic and most unethical breakdown of public health leadership in modern history. Is that all? And it just blows my mind that there is a not insignificant portion of this audience and the audiences of every show in this industry who just want to say, let's run it back with the guy that made all these mistakes. I Listen, man, if it's down to the guy that ended Roe v. Wade and got Saudi Arabia and Israel to talk to each other and the dementia-rattled demonic construct, I'm going to be one of Trump's 2,000 mules myself. I'll be on camera, like stuffing ballot boxes myself. All right. Uh, guys, are we having that election today? Is that election today? No. Is it in the next four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 months? No. No. Do we have somebody in office that didn't make all these, or we have someone challenging Trump that didn't make all these mistakes? So we can have a real reckoning and a hearing about this? Yes. Yeah. So let's take full advantage of it. Maybe it's not good for business, which is why a lot of my peers won't do it but I'm going to. In a democracy, back to Atlas, indeed, in any ethical and free society, the truth is essential. The American people need to hear the truth, the facts free from the political distortions, misrepresentations, and censorship. The first step, for whatever reason, that just closed out on me. The first step, the first step, I'm getting there. The first step is to clearly state the harsh truth in the starkest possible terms. Well, now you're speaking my love language. Lies were told. Those lies harmed the public. Those lies were directly contrary to the evidence, to decades of knowledge on viral pandemics and to long-established fundamental biology. 
Here are the 10 biggest lies known for years to be false, not recently learned or proven to be so, that were promoted by America's public health leaders, elected and unelected officials, and now discredited academics. Number one, SARS-CoV-2 coronavirus has a far higher fatality rate than the flu by several orders of magnitude. Not true. Everyone is at significant risk to die from the virus. Not true. No one has any immunological protection because this virus is completely new. Not true. Asymptomatic people are major drivers of the spread. That was the worst canard of the entire thing. That's what started everything was that lie right there. Not true. Locking down, closing schools and businesses, confining people to their homes, stopping non-COVID medical care and eliminating travel will stop or eliminate the virus. Not true. Masks will protect everyone and stop the spread. Not true. The virus is known to be naturally occurring and claiming it originated in a lab is a conspiracy theory. Not true. Teachers are at especially high risk. Not true. COVID vaccines stop the spread of the infection. Not true. Immune immune protection only comes from a vaccine. Complete, total bleep and lie. None of us who are so naive as to expect a direct apology from critics at my employer, Stanford, or in government, academic, public health, and the media, but to ensure that this never happens again. Government leaders, power-driven officials, and influential academics and advisors often harboring conflicts of interest must be held accountable. Agree. So let's have gallows and tribunals. Personally, I remain highly skeptical, Atlas writes, that any government investigation or commission can avoid politicization. Regardless of their intention, all such government-run inquiries will at least be perceived as politically motivated, and their conclusions will be rejected outright by many. Those investigations must proceed, though, if only to seek the truth, to teach our children that truth matters, and to remember G.K. Chesterton's critical lesson that right is right, even if nobody does it, wrong is wrong, even if everybody is wrong about it. And you had me at hello, first of all, calling for a reckoning. But if we're going to close with Chesterton, now we're just flirting. If we had had COVID 30 years ago, I thought about this over the weekend. If we had had COVID 30 years ago, I think Republicans by and large would have reacted the same. I think the vast majority of them would have buckled to the media narrative slowly but surely been reached with some form of sanity and data and after the fact would have been willing to have some form of reckoning and accountability as it involved big government's role or a foreign adversary's role in launching the the tragedy to begin with and the way it was managed after the launch. Because that would be in line with the Republican Party's interests. I mean, nowadays it's mostly a talking point, but traditionally it's been the anti-big government party. Um, Traditionally, it's been the more hawkish and aggressive foreign policy party. And so 30 years ago, if we had had COVID, I think Republicans would have reacted very similarly to what you are saying today. What's changed is how Democrats would have reacted. 30 years ago, Democrats would have lost their damn minds on Pfizer, Moderna, EcoHealth Alliance. And we would have benefited from this because each side would have claimed a scalp that aligned with their political overall narrative as a party. So Republicans would have gone after big government. 
would have been more aggressive going after a foreign adversary's role in the creation of the virus and the promulgation of it. Democrats would have been very aggressive in going after American corporate interest role in the creation of the virus, like an EcoHealth Alliance, or in the poisoning of the people, like what's gone on with Pfizer and Moderna. And you would have read, you'd have read the New York Times, and it would have been very anti-Pfizer, anti-Moderna. You'd have read the Wall Street Journal, it have been very anti-China and very anti-big government schemes. Each side would have blamed the other and said, well, really, your constituency, big government's worse than big business. Big business is worse than big government. We'd have done all our shows on it, on each side of the media. But in the end, the American people would have been better served because everyone responsible for it was getting tagged for it by somebody. That's what's changed. I didn't expect Republicans to tell the truth about the vaccine. Fearless leader authored it. It's not in their political interest to do that. I mean, you got Jim Jordan's all concerned about what they want to do to persecute Trump, and he's right to be. I don't remember Jim Jordan being all that concerned about the persecutions of Trump's actual voters. They're still rotten in cells. What's Jim Jordan doing about that with his weaponization committee? Not a damn thing, actually. But I understand how political parties work. I've been in one for many years. At least they used to be. So I get the ecosystem. What's changed is how the Democrats operate. They now are for regulatory capture of corporations. They're now for the corporations because the corporations are now for their moral agenda. So they don't want to hold the corporations accountable anymore. And they're perfectly willing to offer you up as a living sacrifice to their God. That's what's changed in the last 30 years. Republicans really aren't that much different. Democrats are a lot different. Gentlemen, your thoughts. Well, while you were reading that, I think you go back even more than 30 years. Steve, nobody knows the movie calendar uh, better than you uh, right now, but I believe even before your movie comes out is uh, Oppenheimer. Yes. You know, no, that's in July. Oh, is it July? So it's even longer. I've just yep. started to see commercials already. And I just would, back then, you know, you're, you're dealing with two nations uh, in the world, uh, uh, German, Nazi Germany uh, and Imperial uh, Japan who were on comic, literally on kamikaze missions. And it took seriously, man, dealing with the fundamental building blocks of the universe, atomic energy. And, you know, what are we going to do? There were serious men in serious time. We just don't have serious men anymore. Another scientific conundrum that we faced. And and, and look at us. We, we absolutely uh, buckled. So I think your analysis is right about the politics, Democrat and Republican, but this even goes beyond this. Like, what is a football? You know, what is a man? We, we just are so, so easily tipped over by basic fundamental challenges of existence that every generation has. That's an us problem. I think to kind of sum up your analysis of the last 30 years, um, Democrats have used power they don't technically have or abused that power that they don't technically mm-hmm. have. Republicans at their best have been not terrible, but not sufficient. And that combination, that combination 
uh, is a snowballing one, and we're we're reaping the con- consequences as we speak. That's an excellent summation, Aaron. Very well said. We'll come back hour two next. Stay tuned. Demand on Blaze TV, radio, and podcast. Steve Dace here from Scottsdale, Arizona. I'm on location looking out the window of our hotel here and see cacti, palm trees, mountains, green grass, flowers. Just, man, when I was younger, people told me as you get older, the winters will get tougher. And now I totally get it as I get older, for sure. You bet. Let us know what you think about what we think. Todd and Aaron are still back there in Des Moines. I'll be rejoining them again on Thursday. Uh, you can uh, email me if you want, steve at stevedace.com. That's D-E-A-C-E. Like us on Facebook, MeWe, and Gab. You can also follow me at Steve Day Show on Twitter, Getter, Instagram, and TikTok. And then uh, find me on Truth Social, but you got to really look to find me there. At Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. I don't know why I keep posting over there. It's mainly just out of spite at this point. Um, at Real Steve Dace on Truth Social. Those of you that are podcast listeners, thank you so very much. Appreciate each and every one of you. If you wouldn't mind, please show your appreciation for us. Leave us a five-star review if you like the show. Hit subscribe or follow. Thanks to all of you that have been willing uh, to do those things for us already. We appreciate each and every single one of you. We also appreciate our friends over at Constitution Wealth. Be sure to check them out uh, because together they'll work with you to create a financial plan that is based on aligning your values with your portfolio. You can be both a profit and profit, if you know what I'm saying, all right? Uh, go to investwithcw.com slash Steve. Invest with CW for Constitution Wealth. Investwithcw.com slash Steve. All right, coming up a little bit later on in this hour, uh, or actually in this segment, we had our first real head-to-head clash, I guess, even though DeSantis is still a a ways from being a declared candidate. We had our first real head-to-head clash of the Trump and DeSantis factions on the right over the last 72 hours. I have hand-selected a series of tropes I have heard from both sides um, on a frequent basis on social media or in my inbox, frankly. And Todd and Aaron, you are going to decide, are those tropes fake news or not? That's coming up a little bit later on. And then for Pop Culture Tuesday... Shazam 2 died at the box office uh, after a strong opening. Ant-Man 3 withered on the vine. Are we starting to now see the point of diminishing returns when it comes to the superhero genre? We'll discuss that coming up in Pop Culture Tuesday in the next segment. But let's go back to central Iowa where my oldest daughter, Anastasia, awaits. Good to see you again, princess. And look at the chair she is in. Don't get too comfortable. How are you? I'm doing good. I almost, I kind of wanted to do the intro to the show because, like, some I know it by heart now. Like, sometimes Stephen will be like, "Do you?" and I'll do the whole intro for him, and he's so impressed. But you know, I didn't want to step on step on your toes. I'm trying to ease my way in to this chair, so I gotta gotta I, ease myself. I, you know there. what? That a dad wants to have kids that want to take his place, but know their place at the exact same time. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So yeah. yes. All right. So what do you got for us this week? 
Well, back by popular demand, we have uh, the trivia, and then if you guys get one wrong, the three TikToks. So, so torture. Yeah, well, so North th- Korea, then. So- North Korea it is. Okay. I do I do an Instagram poll every week. I'm like, what, what do you guys want to see? What do you guys want to do? Like, this is by popular demand. And then I was like, do you guys want the TikToks like as a punishment? And only 60 people said no, and almost 300 people said yes. One of my favorite Our reporters. Our audience hates us, guys. One so of my favorites. I think that's the only one of my favorite reporters at the Des Moines Register actually told me once that the masses are asses. So I'd like you to remember that <laughs> going forward when you do these TikTok polls. Um, that might, that might, it, no, no matter how adorable you are in your pink shirt, you coming on with this uh, is, I just might be problematic in the future. I don't know. I think our, the only conclusion we can draw, gentlemen, is our audience hates us. Yes. And we respect that. <laughs> we completely respect that. Yes. <laughs> All right. All right. Go ahead, Anna. Okay. I made the questions easier this time. I tried to make them a little bit. I'm trying to throw you guys like a bone, but also then if you get them wrong, it's like even more embarrassing because they're way easier. So we're being set up. Yes. Perfect. Um, So the three categories, again, I have 80s movies and Star Wars, and then I added a third one, Michigan football. Okay. Don't say I didn't ever do anything for you. Okay. All right. Well, you're really you're really trying to make me look bad. All right. So I'm first. I'm going. I got to go Michigan football right off the outset. Yes. Okay. We got question one. Okay. Yep. What U.S. president played for the University of Michigan in 1932 and 1933? Gerald R. Ford of Grand Rapids, Michigan, was a consensus All-American offensive lineman at the University of Michigan. That was too easy. Even I. That is correct. Okay. Okay. Is these next two better be teed up? <laughs> I, 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 I ain't taking the hit for what's coming after that. I ain't taking it. Okay, Todd, do you want Star Wars? Right, let's do Wisconsin football, Todd. What's the nickname of the Wisconsin program? Where is the place you grow up? Yes. All um, right, go ahead, Anna. Star Wars and what? Star Wars, 80s movies, Michigan football. Gosh, what's more unfair to... Aaron, I mean, I, I'm trying to like now think of what's. He does does he know 80s? You, but does we he can know... pick the same category. We don't have to pick a different one. We yeah. learned that last. Oh. oh, yeah, yeah. That's the mistake that we made. Is we could, we all picked a different category. We didn't realize we could have picked the same one. Yes. Let's. I'll, I'll go with 80s. Okay, so he just still did it. Okay. Okay, again, this should be a pretty easy one. What movie is this quote from? Don't mess with the bull, young man. You'll get the horns. Oh. That's um, I gotta make sure my all my Rat Pack things are in order. Uh, that's the Breakfast Club. Correct. Nice. See, this is already going so much better. I dumbed it them is. down, and you guys are doing great. Okay. Uh, I almost blurted out sixteen candles for a second, and I was like, "Oh dear God, what what, what have I done?" I feel like I'm I being made set this up. so simple, even you morons couldn't get them wrong, and it's going well. Uh, yes. I feel like I'm being set up here. <laughs> yes, you're, the pressure's on you now. Yes. All Star, right. Star and, Wars. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> what year did the first Star Wars movie come out? Oh dear God! Nineteen seventy-five. Oh, that is oh, incorrect. Oh, oh. Go ahead and play that first TikTok for us, Aaron. For a fascination oh. or interest in animals that do human things, it feels liberating. It feels like I am actually expressing myself. I'm being open. I'm very nervous. I'm sweating, but you know, I am just gonna go for it. Yes. 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 I was hoping you'd be a <laughs> 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 
I like this. I like this so much. <laughs> Me too. What's your persona's name? Oh, Cryptic. Cricket? Cryptic. Cryptic. Okay. Yeah. Like cricket, mysterious, you, whatever, I yeah. Like cryptic. Okay, so did you make this? No, my friend did. Okay. Um, it was roughly 2500 which a crazy good price. <laughs> that's a good price? I don't know anything about like oh, how yeah, much no, this stuff Oh, yeah, no, that's a crazy costs. good price about that stuff. Okay, Yeah, cool. you're gorgeous. <laughs> Thank you so much. I, I really like your eyeliner. <laughs> Thank you. You did a really good job. Thank you. You're, well, your dog is handsome. 77. It was 1977. Yeah. <laughs> we know. <It> two <laughs> years off. Next, I think the next trivia question should be, what is, is everybody's fursona's name? What is everyone's fursona's name? Furries? Yes, it is was. We're doing another round. <laughs> well, you have to get, well, yeah, we'll do, go do another round. How about that? How about not? Okay, <laughs> 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 <sighs> Dad. One more round. One more round. Okay. Star Wars, Michigan football, 80s movies. I'm I'm going go blue. I'm gonna stick with what you know. Yeah. Okay, what is the Paul Bunyan trophy? Oh god. That is the trophy that Michigan and Michigan State play for every year. And it's the ugly maybe the ugliest trophy, um, other than that pig that Minnesota and Iowa play for. Okay, that is correct. Todd, Star Wars, Michigan football, eighties movies. Let's go uh, Star Wars. Okay, here. I'll do a harder one. Maybe this is a harder one. Um, maybe not. I don't know. I asked some people in the office and they didn't know. So who composed the soundtrack album to the 1977 film Star Wars? Well, I could have answered this one. Uh, um, I'm having a total blank. Don't know. <gasps> no. He's, a, should I do a countdown? This, should I do a countdown? God. I'm, I'm blanking. He's a, he's a classic Sound, composer. It, he's um, done Indiana Jones. Yep. He's done everything. Rhymes. Yeah. Can I give him rhymes with? And go no. ahead and play that second TikTok. Why can I not think of him? <laughs> John Williams. John Things Williams. I do when I'm having anxiety in pursuit. Good lord. Friend comfort. Hand holding. Tripping over everything. Stiff body movement. Stem, 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 stem. Looking at ground. Where, where do you find these things? In, where did I go wrong as a father? I apologize, America. Where, where do you John find Williams? These? You guys were like, these, everybody can answer the funniest, these. These are too easy. The funniest thing is, we, it, uh, like six months ago, we are in Liberty, Missouri, heading down to Arkansas, I think. And we pull off and we're going to get a, a normal uh, restaurant. We go to Freddy's down there. And honest to God, uh, we're, we're leaving coming a furry. But they're not, they're like, it's like a bad Santa furry. It's all grungy and dirty. Like they're not, it's not a clean costume. It's like this guy just got out of the gutter. My, my 12 year old daughter is just, she knew exactly what it was. She's aware enough of what goes on in this world now. saw it and she just looks at me and just shakes her head like crazy world, isn't it dad? And I said, yeah, yeah, it is, honey. (laughs) Are are there any more Michigan football? There's one more Michigan football. Okay. I'll take Michigan football. Okay. When was the first Michigan versus Ohio State game? What year? Why am I getting the what year ones? Uh, this was not on purpose. I'm sorry. Oh, I feel targeted here. <laughs> um, 19? Steve, I can see you if you want to blink twice. <laughs> Dad, do not. 19. <laughs> oh. Mm-hmm. 
1900. Yep. Three? No. Okay. Uh, Go ahead and play that last TikTok. See, that, that's actually a good guess, though, because the 100th game was 2003. So that's a pretty good guess. Yeah. It just wasn't right. 1901? they didn't play every year, but it's a good guess. What is it? Was it 1901? No. Oh, okay. Homosexuals, oh. do you like Oh, my Oh my god. Oh, oh, the oh, whole gosh. world to <laughs> begin. <laughs> They're just like you and me. Love is love. Oh gosh, that's so funny. I found that out in the office. I was like, oh. I was like, you bet your sweet bippy that's going on the Steve Day show today. <laughs> oh. That's just the worst. That is the, the thing worst. is, if, if you would have told me. <laughs> If you'd have told me that was a Babylon B parody, I'd have thought it was brilliant. Okay. <laughs> That's your local school board member. That's yeah. what that is. Yeah. Thank you, Anna. Next week, we'll talk about our fursonas and we'll talk about that. Yeah. We won't be doing that. Okay. No. no? Okay. Another time. No. Another time. That's a neg. Yes. All right, guys. Let's get some fake news or not. So we had kind of the first clash this week. Really, this week, it's Tuesday. So like yesterday, all right, the last 72 hours of the uh, the Trump-DeSantis factions um, with the news of or the, that Trump broke himself and I'm going to be arrested today, which isn't going to happen. It may happen tomorrow, though. We'll see. Um, and DeSantis is not quick enough for the Trump group's uh, demands reaction on top of then the reaction that he did give yesterday, et cetera. I have eight tropes here that I have seen often repeated in reaction to the last 72 hours of events. And and they're from both sides, okay? So I thought I'd go through these one by one and you guys decide if they're fake news or not. You ready to go? Probably not, but let's go. All right, here we go. It's time to close ranks behind Trump and declare this primary is over. Uh, That's... Are we supposed to answer earnestly to all of these? I would hope so, yes. Okay, that's fake news. That's fake news. The very fact that you even have to profligate this if you're on Team Trump, the very fact that you have to feel like you have to put this out there probably means you're not exactly secure that the uh, primary is over. Todd, what do you think? You know, Steve uh, and Aaron, in betting, uh, you've taught me about this thing when it's it's not a great bet, but it's still a value bet. A value bet, yes. yes, yes. Uh, so I'm going to be thinking about a lot of these along the, those lines. I, I will say that is uh, true news, even though I'm a DeSantis supporter. I think we this whole thing about competition and tryouts, it's a good instinct for a healthy American male to have, but we don't have a lot of healthy American males. I honestly think maybe if we just went all on in this, this would just be that the the odds would be better of getting an outcome. I, I I don't, I don't think we're grown up enough to have these tryouts and have it come out clean on the other side. I just don't. Oh, I agree with you, but I am. So I'm going to still want it to happen. I don't care if nobody else is I'm, I'm grown up enough to handle it. So, but I agree with you. Um, the last 72 hours have demonstrated most of most of uh, most of us are not going to handle this well. I completely agree with that. Number two, DeSantis is a pedo groomer. That's fake news. I'm 
I know who the pedo groomers are, and it's not uh, it's not DeSantis. Again, they're in your local school district. How about um, it's the day before you say you're going to get perp walked, handcuffed, arrested, whatever. And you're Donald Trump. Do you a spend the day with your attorneys or campaign, attempting to figure out some sort of recourse, legal or politically? for dealing with this or B do you tweet obsessively while amplifying a left-wing organization that seeks only to smear people that actually love and like you Trump chose op- uh, option B yesterday so uh, this is obviously fake news number three the majority of people saying this is bigger than just Trump don't really mean that This is the toughest one we've had so far, but the loudest people saying that this is bigger than Trump, at least within Trump's camp, don't really mean that. So this is fake news. Or that's actually true true news, I should say, in that context. Todd would say you. I agree. They don't don't actually believe that. Most people don't believe uh, most of what they say about anything these days. So this is an easy one. All right. Number four. Trump is hoping to be arrested, and this is all a cynical fundraising slash campaign ploy to take advantage of his base um, and or amplify disappointing fundraising numbers heading up, heading into a reporting deadline. That's according to value bet rules that you guys have taught me. That's absolutely true news. So most so, so part of that is true news part of it is fake news i'm going to going to say fake because i don't think this is all a cynical play i think there is a very good chance that he gets indicted now arrested perp walked i don't know what that would actually look like or if we actually see that at all so fake news on just for that alone but there's no doubt in my mind trump wants this to happen doesn't mean that he's making the whole thing up though So the best endorsement that we have gotten for the nefarious film didn't come from a ministry leader, didn't come from one of our investors, didn't even come from Glenn Beck. In my opinion, the best endorsement we got for our nefarious movie came from a very well-known trailer company that um, has done business with uh, Dinesh D'Souza. And his movies in the past. And so he recommended them to us. And we were a little dubious that they would be willing to do the trailer for Nefarious, given all the ESG stuff on their website. But, you know, we figured they were willing to do 2,000 mules. I mean, if they were willing to do – a lot of these companies just put that ESG stuff on their site. Remember when hy painted – had the BLM signs, like – putting the thing on the door to pass. So the spirit of riot would pass over. You know what I'm saying? A lot of companies put the ESG stuff up on their, you know, don't, don't, don't tase me, bro, basically is what that is. Right. And so we thought maybe that's what it is. You know, they're not real about it. You know I mean? After all, they, they did Dinesh's 2000 mules movie. I mean, if you're doing the trailer for a movie where Dinesh D'Souza is purporting to put on camera, Democrat operatives, literally stuffing ballot boxes to steal elections. Kind of think maybe our movie is a step down from that perhaps, you know, so you're probably okay with it. So um, we meet with the guy who runs the company, tell him about the movie, he loves it. And he wants to screen it right away. We know he watched it like that day or maybe the very next day, I can't remember. But then we hear nothing from him. The next day, day after that. The third day, he sends us a note and it says, 
Um, congratulations, you have made a truly remarkable film. Those were the opening words of his of his note to us about the movie. You've made a truly remarkable film, he said. What do you think the next word was? But, but given the positions that Nefarious takes on several contemporary issues, we just don't feel as if our staff would be comfortable working on and assisting the marketing of such a film. Now, we got this like two months ago. I wanted to blow it up right away because I knew what kind of an opportunity this was. If there's one thing we love on the right, it's our martyrs, man. Okay. And I thought it would be great marketing for us to take advantage of that and say, hey, what's a better endorsement of our film to the to the, to, to Christians and conservatives than a trailer company that produced Dinesh D'Souza's trailers, as provocative as his films are, thought our movie was so singularly devastating to their worldview that they wouldn't make our trailer. My point in bringing that up is I completely agree with Trump trying to use this to his advantage if it's going to happen anyway. I completely agree. Martyrdom is political capital in today's America. We call it martyrdom on the right. It's victimology on the left. They call it martyrdom on the left and call it victimology when we do it. That is the game. There, there's nothing that plays better than that. So do I think that Trump has single-handedly orchestrated events uh, to manipulate the DA? And No, no, no. Do I think, though, he's absolutely poised and willing to take full political advantage of it? You bet your sweet bippy, as my daughter Anastasia said a few minutes ago. And I, and by the way, I approve of that message. All right, number five. Vivek is running an anti-DeSantis triangulation campaign for Trump. Fake news or not? That's fake news. That's fake news. I, I just think he's the Republican Andrew Yang. I, I mean, I hope some of his ideas get injected and help open the Overton window even further on the right. I have my doubts. And at the end of the day, I don't think he has a shot. And so whether or not his motivations are pure, I think the only the only person who benefits from Vivek running for president is Vivek. Yeah, I was starting to consider this. I mean, the anti-DeSantis thing, you know, he has to be anti-DeSantis on some level. But then on, on Trump's behalf, no. Fake news. Okay, number six. DeSantis has poor political instincts. <laughs> God. I, I mean, I, 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 I literally saw this. I saw who was it? I think it was Darren Beatty at Revolver. I think is who post posited this one. Isn't he the guy that did a great work on January sixth? You mentioned Darren. Yeah, one of them. Yeah. So, to me. I mean, I, I to me, saying the guy that just got 60 percent of the vote in Florida has poor political instincts is a little bit like saying um, that, uh, you know, Trump, who took his the million dollars his dad gave him and turned it into a multi-billion dollar empire is an idiot. I don't quite understand either one of those arguments. But anyway, go actually, ahead. it is true news, though, for the reason I laughed and the reason that you say. But it's true news because everybody else thinks politics is a totally different thing. We're talking about adulting manhood real leadership no one cares about that so yeah according to this guy whoever you said he was yeah on both sides politics is entirely something different it, it's it, it's craven it, it so yes 
He's terrible at that. You're right. Thank God he is. It's why we actually want to consider him. But what most people view as political instincts, utterly selling out, shamelessness, all that stuff, you're absolutely right. Aaron's a good answer. Um, so yeah, I, I will say, <clears throat> in terms of you know the the spirit of the the, the prompt, I mean, yesterday's yesterday's statement wasn't terrible. But as we kind of ended the last hour with, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't sufficient. You know, it was actually good. It just wasn't good enough. So you know that was one instance. Um, where he, you know, didn't go, didn't tear down the high places, if you will. Otherwise, basically, dude just wakes up and loves the smell of napalm in the morning, and that's kind of what the way that he's gone. So, in terms of the political instincts that I want, yeah, he has he has great political instincts. So, fake news. Two more. Number seven. DeSantis isn't taking partisan George Soros prosecutors seriously enough. Absolute fake news. He's the only governor who's actually removed one. Mm-hmm. Total fake news. Uh, I think on a value bet, I agree with Aaron, but on a value bet, I'm going with true news because even all the things that you've laid out about Florida, this is not some podunk state, what he did to it with the 20, but at the national level and what will be brought to bear against him if he wins I don't think anybody can be fully prepared for that. It's just, it's so ridiculously evil and all in from a George Soros. I mean, that guy is definitely not buying green and bananas anymore. So, um, yeah, I'll, I'll think that's true news. Final one. DeSantis doesn't owe Trump anything and constitutionally can't do anything anyway. This is the fakest news on this list so yeah. far. DeSantis, absolutely. I mean... DeSantis has forged his own path, but we wouldn't know who he is if not for Donald Trump. So does that mean that he owes him anything? You know, probably owes him, you know, uh, his opportunity, owes him credit for that, I should say. And constitutionally, can't do anything. Um, here's what happened with a few members of the conservative Martha yesterday. Um, Florida Code Section uh, 10, um, uh, subsection 69, uh, says that uh, the <laughs> governor has to um, extradite any fugitives from justice. So there's nothing. That's what our side does. That's what the smart set on our side does. The Constitution, says uh, somebody. The Constitution, Article 4 of the Constitution. Yeah. The other side is just pointing a gun at our head while we uh subsection b here you can't shoot me that's what we were doing that's what some were doing on the right yesterday who were desantis fans and apologists how angry especially during covid when we want did we get when we wanted donald trump to fire fauci promote lockdown or to, to promote reopening more aggressively how angry did we get when we were told by trump apologists oh there's really nothing he can do about it i mean it's all out of his hands yet some people who are desantis fans were doing the exact same thing yesterday as you said earlier constitution is a dead letter people don't understand that whether or not they're well-meaning but naive or just elitist and uh arrogant people do not understand this is all about wielding power the left 
abuses the power that they don't technically have. We're too afraid to use our power that we actually do have in imaginative ways that have not been seen in previous generations. That was far too long of an answer. Sorry, Todd. No, but it's a. But it was a very good one. It's awesome ahead, answer. I, I will follow up with a fantastic movie scene that sums up what Aaron is talking about. Uh, uh, in Tombstone. Uh, Billy Bob Thornton's bully character, he just, he goes in and takes over this saloon. No one even wants to go in there anymore. Billy Bob just is a classic bully, makes every, in, in the Wild West of all places, makes cowboys wet themselves until a real cowboy shows up. And Kurt Russell just, Wyatt Earp just takes one look at him, pistol whips him, leads him out by his ear and says, yeah, um, we ain't playing that anymore. That's, that's exactly the take that you need to have the left citing the constitution on you. Honestly, you, you spit in their faces. They don't believe in it. They don't care about it. Not a damn right. one of them. So you never, ever accept that premise. Both of those answers were fantastic. All right. So we've got a minute here. The fact that what I just laid out were some of the most cited tropes of the last 72 hours tells you what? I think I've said this on the show before, the, the 2016 GOP presidential primary is the ca Hotel California. You can check out anytime you want, but you can never leave. The level or lack thereof of discourse, intra-party discourse, is just the same or worse than it was back then. Thank goodness part of, part of the, the growing pains or devolving pains that we that we experienced back then is that the Overton window is much much larger even just on the right than it ever has been before but the level of discourse is just annoying at best so far tryouts are making us want to like just cancel the season because it's been our team our team is terrible first week of spring I know we got shut it down Yep. Love it. All right, we'll come back. Pop Culture Tuesday. It's next. <laughs> uh. Aaron, I want to get your live reaction to this. Got it. Ready? Yep. This is a tweet from Joseph D. McBride, Esquire at McBride Law, New York City. Just gonna read it verbatim. President Trump will be arrested during Lent, a time of suffering and purification for the followers of Jesus Christ. As Christ was crucified and then rose again on the third day, so too will Donald Trump. Violence is never the answer. Winning the election is vote for Trump. Jesus loves Donald Trump. Jesus died for Donald Trump. Jesus lives inside Donald Trump. Deal with it. 1,275 retweets, 2,260 quotes, 4,444 likes, 3.8 million views. Um, I am choosing to believe that that's parody. It, Joseph D. McBride, Esquire. Let me look him up real quick. I'd right. like to re-up my idea for canceling the entire season. <laughs> uh, yeah. Just, I was hoping I would see a reference to Babylon B in his bio. And I do not. 
that is goodness. Goodness. Goodness gracious. I'm actually reconsidering my previous position, and I, I'm also now I'm I'm at least open to the idea of going ahead and let's just canceling it. I'm open to it now. I've changed my mind. I've 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 opened my mind to the possibility we should just end this now, just in the last ten minutes since I've seen this. When I said in 2016 that next year is even going to be more stupid, and it that that ball snowball has just rolled downhill and gathered mass ever since. I mean, my goodness, you know, and this always feels like it's it's a troll. Like we are part of an experiment, like that. It's it's not real, but it's also the most real thing there is. Like this this guy, like he's just throwing chum out in the water. You're like, hey guys, watch the stupid. I I mean, who? What are you more worried? Because here's the thing: are you more, that can be manipulated? Um, but. I suppose all those likes and things that you talked about, Steve, could also just be a flat-out lie. I'm far more worried, though, that that's the truth. Not that one guy said something ridiculous like that. Whether he meant it or not. It's that... How is that just not, like, drifting off into the ether? Because it's... It, how many... Di- I, don't, I don't know what to do with that. We, we you know, all, I, of, all of our pontificating just doesn't matter if that's real, if the response to it is real. 2018's theme, at least as far as Todd was concerned, was whoever's dumbest last loses. Here's what I put forward as a theme of 2023. And along those lines, just dumb, 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 dumb. That's the theme of this year so far. Do you guys mind if we punt on pop culture Tuesday and continue this conversation? Cause I, there's a few things I want to say. Do you guys okay with that? We call that audible on the show. All right. Uh, Cause we'll probably have another superhero flop to talk about here again soon, the way that this is going. So, okay. Um, one of the things, you know, and I, I, I talked about it on the show at the time, one of the things that most troubled me um i genuinely the times that i got to spend around him 2013 um to through 2015 um talking to him being around him having him on the show i i i genuinely enjoyed the time i spent with donald trump genuinely enjoyed it and i mean Todd, you and I had a lot of conversations about this at that point in time. And uh, um, I was, for those of you that are new to the show, very tempted to get on the ground floor and sign up with him. And then um, decided against it for issues, for reasons I've talked about in the past. But originally on the cruise campaign, I, I was one of the most vocal advocates amongst those of us that were in the the strategizing part of the apparatus. I was one of the most vocal advocates for um, not treating Trump as an enemy, the way many of the other Republican candidates were, but instead recognizing that he is touching on something that is very similar to our own message 
And to go after him at this early stage would be to undermine our own message. Um, yes, the, obviously, eventually, we'll have to confront him to defeat him. But right now, you know, he's clear in the field. So let's take advantage of that. And then we got to the end. And by the end, I was one of the most vocal critics of Trump. The reason why that 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 transformation happened. Um, remember the event he did in Iowa, where he accused Ben Carson of lying about his life story and something with his mom. I, I, it was just revolting. You guys remember this though? I don't even remember what it was. It was just beyond yeah. revolting. Okay, and you started seeing these kinds of outbursts. And I and I I was saying on the show at the time, I I just I just never saw that guy. I saw a guy who was, you know, very wickedly smart, very thoughtful, um, related very well with people, including, even more importantly, just regular folks. And you do still see that at times. But this sort of persona of um, we'll douche for food, uh, we'll douche on command, um, I just, just never saw that. And so I was left wondering just for me, because again, he had no record. I had no record for him to vote, to vote, to support. He had done nothing. All he had done is endorsed, when I was on the Gingrich campaign, he endorsed against us for Mitt Romney in 2012. And before that, I mean, the guy donated to Al Sharpton and Planned Parenthood. So I, I, there was no record. And, and, and so as the campaign went on, you know, campaigns don't, don't create character. They don't instill it. They reveal it. As the campaign went on, more of these antics became more prominent and much less of the guy that I thought was a very uh, likable and thoughtful celebrity. You saw a lot less than that. And so I I didn't know, was I, I think I even said this on the show at the time. I mean, was I, which one is real? Maybe they both are. I don't know him well enough to know. But, you know, I was kind of wondering, was I just kind of given a show because they thought they needed me in Iowa I don't know. And they knew that the other act, they'd done their work and knew that stuff just wouldn't impress me at all. And this would, I I, I don't know. And people are complex and can be lots of different things at different times. Human nature is not a math formula. You know, we're, we're complex creatures. So maybe both are true. But I have become convinced in the last few weeks that maybe I now know the answer to this. That in the end, art of the deal, as I've said for many years, is the worldview here. And he just can't help but he, he is a salesman by nature. And the reality is the market, even on the right, you know, the side that's more moral, more critical thinking, less godless, even on the right the market for thoughtful analysis and consideration of the seriousness of our problems just was it nearly as abundant and plentiful as the one for the performance. That he is simply reflecting the aspects of his persona, right? It's a little bit like if if I were running as a candidate, and if I went on, if I went on, my buddy Tom Woods, the great libertarian, Ron Paul, 
thinker. If I went on his podcast, I'm not giving you a different person. I'm sharing my beliefs, but I'm going to share the beliefs that more align with his audience, right? Sure. If I, if I, if I go do a pro-life event, I'm not going to go there and talk about my thoughts on um, fair, the fair tax. I'm going to talk about, I'm going to project back to them the areas where I know we agree and they want me to discuss. You guys know where I'm going with this? Okay. Yeah. I, 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 I just think we demonstrated to him that this is what we wanted. And he is giving us the show that we want. That, and remember, when I was around him was very early on in the campaign where he was having events where he, he was having very thoughtful conversations about China and geopolitics and trade policy. I mean, I found it intellectually fascinating. Didn't, re didn't resonate. We're going to build a wall, kick out the rapists and the druggies, and Mexico's going to pay for it. Yeah, yeah. Okay. In the end, I just think he just, I think he's actually selling us the product that we want. We want this. We we want just like just like the people clamored for a king. And it wasn't that it was wrong to ask for a king. God was eventually always had a plan to send them one, a, a, a Messiah, a king of kings. It's not the asking of the king itself that was wrong. It was the denial of the kingship of God in a in their direct theocracy. That's why he that's why God says to Samuel the great the last judge the people didn't when they, that they asked this of the people didn't turn on you Samuel they turned on me similar to what Jesus says who's all who's God to Paul why have you forsaken me not my people me and and I I think that this is really what a lot of our people want. I think this is even what a lot of the church crowd wants. The show, the demonstration. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm here for the feeding of the 5,000. I'm here for the tricks, for the supernatural act. I'm not here for the prophetic teaching. I'm not here for the discipleship. And, and I, I just think in the end, Maybe it's as simple as he's just selling the product. This, and any salesman works on a reward-based system. It's an incentivization position. There's no point talking to you about something involving what I'm trying to sell you if the point of entry doesn't interest you. So let me, let me see if I can find another one, something else that piques your interest. All right, that's what you're looking for? All right, so you guys really don't want someone who has done geopolitical finance at an elite level with almost every world leader of consequence knows where all the bodies are buried and how the system works. You guys don't want that? Okay. You guys want a provocateur. You want a human vat of kerosene. I can be that too. Okay. I'll give you what you want. I think he's simply reflecting back to us what we want. Who raises more money? Paula White and um, Benny Hinn or John MacArthur? We both know the answer to that. Or we all, all three of us know the answer to that. I think, I think in the end, people decided they wanted the show 
And so that's, that's just what he gives them. And maybe it's never was more complicated than that. Thoughts? Well, that's all in reaction to what existed beforehand. And you saw, really, how smothering that was even to the likes of Ted Cruz. And in the Senate, who was, you know, doing about as much as any a senator has done that we've been asking them to do, stepping into to the breach, not just accept, accepting the status quo, fighting with the likes of Mitch McConnell all the time. And there's that guy, that Trump supporter, who still, he, you know, who called him, basically called him a cuck. What happened before that, what allowed Trump to step into that breach is, Steve, you started this show talking about the norms. People were exhausted. They see the left sprinting ahead into chaos with glee and and the right constantly rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic. And to Aaron's point earlier about when he went into his lispy voice, but like he, he was mocking there. If you don't know it, I'm not going to say the specific name, but like one of our so-called brightest lights on the right and not a graying one either. Younger than Steve and I, that this is just how we do things. That you, you, you must actually uh, never pretend and let this uh, become the wild west what if it already is the wild west it's you remember what steve always says about you know what you you when you're told to love yourself what if what if you suck well we've sucked and we've <laughs> sucked for a long time and that's what it, there he did donald trump could, he, there was an environment that he took an advantage of he didn't just create that whole out of whole cloth now he is the environment but before that, this he would not, Donald Trump was not possible in a land of grown-ups. But the the the, the cynical this version this version of Trump wasn't possible. Right, right. The one that I the one that I was around years ago was. Yeah. Which begs a question. Which begs a question. Then is Ron DeSantis possible or someone like him? That that right. That's the obvious question, right? And the problem, the problem we're in here is the guy that probably that that the majority of the country is more likely to react and respond to is running is going to run into an issue where perhaps a majority of his own base doesn't want that substance, just wants the show, and and so you end up nominating again the person who starts day one. With and I'm being kind, with 45, if not 48 percent of the public just says never in a million years. See, here, no matter how bad. It is. This is where I'm most sympathetic to uh, Trump and Trump supporters. That's I don't even think it's uh, th- there's a certain part of it who just likes the show. But I think at, on a deeper level, they are embodying Steve what you've said. I like my way of doing things or his way of doing things more than their way of not doing anything. I, respect. I, I'm exhausted on. Every level, local, state, uh, not in Iowa, but in a lot of other uh, so-called red states, of, of again, the, the norms. It's just people who can't be bothered. They're too comfortable. I, I, I totally get why you would reject that and reject it for the rest of your life. Because it's disgusting. And it's lazy. And it's cowardly. And I want no part of it either. So I get that. I get it too. 
I get it too. The problem is if you're too much show, you turn off a bunch of people that you're going to need to have vote for you later on. And so we just circled, we do this drain circle. Yeah, we earned it. John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.